Hey, it's good to see you guys. Good morning. Um, so I'm excited to be back with you guys. Uh, and uh, it's nice because it's, it's cold outside. This is the one reason why I grow a beard, is the cold weather. So I'm glad it's finally being put to use. Um, so anyway, but it is good to be, to be back with you guys. I uh, just want to give a big thanks to Pastor Victor uh, for covering me last week. I was supposed to deliver the message, and as he said, I called him on Saturday morning or Saturday, I say morning, it was more mid-afternoon. I was like, hey, dude, I am so sorry. I was like, I feel like I got hit by a Mack truck. Can you cover for me? And he was like, oh, absolutely, man. And I was like, you were the most happy man during this time. I don't know how you do that. If you were me, I'd be, I'd be freaking out. So I did hear, I did listen, and he was talking about how if you heard the sirens, it was because he was trying to hear a message from God, and he gave him a message. So, um, but I did tell him this past week, I said, hey, man, this is not a competition. I was like, you don't need to wake up Sunday morning calling me saying that you're sick. I was like, it's not about who you can call the latest, okay? So, um, but I am excited to be with you guys to share the message that the Lord has been putting on my heart um, over the last couple of weeks now. Um, but the, what I want us to do today, though, um, because if you guys can remember, we actually began a series through an Old Testament letter uh, called Hosea. It's a minor prophet uh, book in the Old Testament. And this happened before Thanksgiving. We started this book. And then once the holidays came in, we took a break and we started focusing on Thanksgiving and Christmas. And now that New Year's is here, uh, I, I figured... Um, either we could do like a, a New Year's emphasis or we can jump back into the letter, which is where I wanted us to do. I wanted us to go ahead and start getting back into this Old Testament letter. Uh, but you know me, I love uh, historical context. I love looking deeper into the letter. And I would be remiss to, for us to just jump right back into the letter into Hosea chapter 5 without first recapping what we looked at in the first four chapters of this book, because this, this Old Testament letter is one of the most timely, in my opinion, one of the most timely Old Testament letters that often gets overlooked. Um, what we see in this letter is that God is choosing a man named Hosea uh, from a people in this region called Israel. And if you guys can remember, during this time in which uh, Hosea was ministering, it wasn't a unified Israel as it was before when Moses and Joshua and all these other guys were leading this nation. But rather, this was a time period after David was king and his son Solomon became king. And after the death of Solomon, the nation of Israel became divided. And so you had the northern kingdom, Israel, and then you had the southern kingdom of Judah. And so Hosea was actually ministering during the time of, uh, of the, when the northern kingdom of Israel was still intact, but it wasn't intact for much longer. And the reason why God chose Hosea was to bring judgment upon the nation of Israel for their unfaithfulness. Um, once the nations, or once the kingdom divided, Israel went on an unfaithfulness path. They, their kings were bad. Their kings did not obey God. They actually walked away from God. They were worshiping other idols. They were worshiping other gods. But all was a big uh, God that they were worshiping. And they were, um, they were partaking in that style of worship. And it was uh, very offensive to God. And so God said, hey, enough's enough. Um, judgment is coming against you guys. And as a result, this nation called Assyria would come in and they would wreak havoc upon Israel and take them captive. And that would be the beginning of their captivity. 
Whereas the nation of Judah, they would remain faithful during this time, right? But again, this letter of what we're looking at with Hosea is God bringing judgment upon this nation because of their unfaithfulness. And there's so much for us to unpack within these first four chapters that I want us to look at, and we won't have time for all of it, but I would love to try to give as much of a recap as we can so that way next week when Victor's back up to bat, he can uh, continue us on in through the rest of this book of Hosea. But uh, I'm going to stop and pray for us um, because we need the Lord to go before us as we continue our time together. But I'm going to pray for us and we'll jump into this together, okay? So let's pray. Lord God, we come before you and we just thank you for another morning. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this time of fellowshipping of believers. And uh, Lord, I pray that while we are here, that you will speak. Lord, that you'll go before us. Lord, that you will reveal the things in our life that we are not remaining faithful to you with. So that way, Lord, as we continue in this life, as we continue this next year, 2024, Father, that our focus will be completely upon you and nothing else in this life. There's so many distractions right now that are trying to pull us into, that are trying to uh, keep us from truly walking in faithfulness and unity and in truth with you. And I pray, Father, that you will reveal those things in our lives today so that way we can truly walk faithfully. So God, may you have your way in us this morning as we continue to look at this letter. I pray that you'll just uh, convict us of where we need conviction and bring us to a place of repentance of where we need to repent so that way we can uh, have a fresh start with you. But God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this morning. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 So again, tonight or this morning, the, the message title is, is, what is your focus on? for 2024. That's my challenge for us. What is your focus on? And I want you to think about that as you look at the screen, you see focus on blank. What have you guys been focusing on? Because God wants you to refocus. He wants us to keep our eyes and our hearts on him, especially during this next year. Because 2024, guys, is going to be a big year. I can feel it. Unfortunately, it started off very rough for me with being sick. I hope that's not the tone for the rest of the year. But um, 2024, just, and I'm sure the first thing when I said 2024, some of y'all went directly to the election year. And, and that's not the, I'm pretty sure that's probably not even the biggest thing that's going to happen this year. So as we get into 2024 and as we continue to walk through this season, we need to right now refocus ourselves. And I believe that this letter, Hosea, is timely because it, what it does, it does that for us. It draws us back to a place of refocus. Because what God chooses to do with Hosea is that he not only uses him as a source of prophecy, right, of bringing forth this message of judgment and, and, and challenging the nation of Israel to repent, but rather he uses him not only in a spiritual way, but in a physical way as well. And he uses this picture vividly by calling Hosea to uh, go and to marry this woman called Gomer. Do you remember what Gomer was considered? A prostitute. She was an unfaithful woman. But yet God chose Hosea to go and do something that's so incredibly hard to go and to take Gomer as his wife as a picture of what God is going to do with the nation of Israel, his chosen people. 
He said, go take this woman to be your wife and love her unconditionally, this unfaithful woman. So that's exactly what Hosea does. And that's what we see in the first three chapters of this, of this letter. Picking up there in chapter one, verse two, if you have your Bibles, you can open up there to Hosea. We will not have it on the screens this morning just because I want us to focus in on these verses. But it says this, when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. I'm sure you guys have picked up very quickly on what the issue is within the nation of Israel. They're unfaithful, right? So verse three, so he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. So Right off the bat, we see the character of Hosea. When, caught, when God called him to do something, what did he do? He didn't go and like draw on the sand. He didn't go like talk to all of his best friends, like, hey man, this is what God called me to do. What do you think I should do? Right? No, God said, go. And Hosea said, okay, yes, I will go. He was obedient. His character is on display right here of the kind of man that he is and why God chose him. So he went, married Gomer, took Gomer as his wife, and then they had a son. And the first, and the, uh, his first son was called Jezreel. And these, the names that we see here in chapter one, because what we will see is that they not only have one child, but they have multiple children. But each name is significant. And I want us to make sure that we see that because they, each name speaks to the specific aspect of what God's going to be doing to the nation of Israel. So the first son, they, uh, verse four said, and the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. So this is actually speaking to an event that actually happened with Jehu, where he went and he had a major um, uh, bloodshed in the nation of Israel. And God is going to bring punishment to Jehu. So Jezreel, uh, Hosea's son, is a reminder of this and how God will bring punishment. And that's exactly what he would do. He brought punishment and he judged the nation of Israel and the kings and how disobedient they were and how wretched they were. And it goes on to verse six that she conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, call her name, no mercy, no mercy. For I will have, or I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them all, but I will have mercy on the house of Judah and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow, by sword, or by horse, or, or by war, or by horse, by horsemen, but rather God will save them. So, second, or, uh, Hosea's second daughter, which we don't even know if it's even his, is no mercy. So again, this is speaking to the nature of God's calling and judgment on the nation of Israel because of their unfaithfulness. And then lastly, in verse number eight, it said, when she, once she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, call his name, not my people. For you are not my people and I am not your God. That's the condition and the, of the hearts of these people right now. And God, again, chose a man, Hosea, to go to uh, marry a, uh, a woman named Gomer, who was a prostitute, 
and he is using the life of Gomer and the life of Hosea as a physical, vivid representation of the relationship between God and his people. Gomer is, is illustrating the condition of the nation of Israel's heart. And God is very clearly telling them what he, uh, where, where that relationship is and what he is going to do. He's going to bring judgment. He's not going to show mercy. And he is no longer going to be their God. They are not going to be his people. But rather, he's going to show mercy on the nation of Judah because of their faithfulness. You guys, is this sinking in? Does this sound familiar? Because if we're not careful, we're going to be in a very similar situation like Gomer. And I'm not trying to be this fire and brimstone, we're all going to hell pastor, okay? That's not what I'm trying to do. But rather, what I'm trying to do is really to call out where the areas in our lives that we need to refocus. But all it doesn't stop there. I know it seems really dark and gloomy right now in chapter one, but as you go into chapter two, it actually gets worse. So there you go. So all this takes place. They have, all, they have these three children. These names are significant, right? So Jezreel was the name of Gomer's first son. And Israel would experience a devastating military defeat in the, va- in the Valley of Jezreel. So these are all different things. So the second one, uh, the first daughter's name was No Mercy, uh, Lo Ruma, uh, Ruhama, which, uh, which again means that she will receive no mercy. The third one, Lo Ami, Gomer's third child, not my people. This is significant. We must take notice of this. And in chapter two, it picks up there in verse one, it says, say to your brothers, you are my people, and to your sisters, you have received mercy. So God is telling Hosea now uh, to speak to his brothers and sisters. Um, and now in verses two through the rest of uh, verse 13, he is going to be reiterating God's punishment towards the nation of Israel. He says, plead with your mother, okay? Uh, plead for she is not my wife and I am not her husband. And she put her, uh, and that, that she put away her whoring from her face and her adultery between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and make her as uh, in the days of when she was born and make her like a wilderness and make her like a parched land and uh, kill her uh, with thirst. Upon her also I will have no mercy because they are children of whoredom. For their mother has played the whore. She has conceived them as acted shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water and my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. Verse six, therefore I will hedge, I will hedge up her away, from, away with thorns and I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her paths. See, when, when God desires us to be faithful and we choose to walk away, he's going to put up a hedge against us because we are choosing to follow after our own desires. As much like what God did with Pharaoh back in Egypt, when Pharaoh refused to listen to Moses, what did God do? He hardened his heart. But let me explain this. With Pharaoh... God didn't change his heart condition from something good to bad, but rather he saw the condition of Pharaoh's heart and said, fine, you want, to be a, you want to be like this? Stay like this. So he hardened the condition of Pharaoh's heart, that which Pharaoh chose, that Pharaoh desired. 
There comes a point in our life when we choose to walk unfaithfully, God says, fine. You want to pursue after that? Go for it. That's scary, right? That's why we're called to walk faithfully to the word of God daily. So that way we can give a defense against the evil schemes of the devil. So we can walk faithfully. That way we don't give in and that way we don't turn out like the nation of Israel where we are, where we say with our mouths that we are walking after, or that we are following after God, but yet by our actions we are showing that we are worshiping other things. You can't have both. You have to either follow God or you choose to follow the things of this world. You can't have both. So that's this judgment here. But again, not all hope is lost because when you jump down to verse 14, you see this picture, this picture of hope for the nation of Israel. It says, therefore, behold, I will allure, or allure her, wow, that's a hard word, and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will, come, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety. And I will betroth to you, or betroth you to me forever. And I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. That, my friends, is who our God is. And this is my challenge for us this morning as we think about this question. What are we focusing on in 2024? What are we focusing on right now? God has is and always will be faithful. That's the promise. Of, that's one of the many promises that we see all throughout his word, the very word that he spoke, the very word that he put together and gave to us. Why did he give it to us? So we can remain faithful to the one who was first faithful to us. Even in the moments of our greatest weakness, in the greatest uh, moments of selfishness, or, or adultery, or whatever the case may be, God is for us. He is not against us. Even in their greatest, greatest wickedness of worshiping Baal, God said, I will call out to you. I will allure you away from that, and I will bring you back into a covenant with me. And one of the things that you see throughout scripture when you talk about that word covenant, right? This, this contract, this unconditional contract that God makes with people, it's always based upon him and him alone and not based on our actions. He is faithful. He is just. Praise God for that. So what are we, are we going to focus on, um, are we going to focus on our, the things in our own life? Or let's do this. Are we going to focus on the global issues or the national issues, the state issues, our own selfish issues? Or are we going to trust in the God who created it all? 
Are we gonna trust in the one who put everything into motion just by his very words? We need to walk in faithfulness to that, not into the things by which we think is best for ourselves or what the world is saying is best for us. Because when we follow after those things, we end up just like the northern kingdom of Israel, worshiping other idols, worshiping other gods. And how you choose to define that is up to you, but we all have them. Every single last one of us in this room. Then he goes on to chapter three, and this is a beautiful passage. It says this in verse one, it says, and the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. So again, Hosea takes Gomer as his wife. They have a child. She remains unfaithful. She goes away. Hosea, you heard in those words, is not very happy with his wife and how even the words is a representation of how God is upset with the nation of Israel for their unfaithfulness and adulterous ways. But yet God says, hey, I want you to go back to her. Despite what she's done, I want you to go back to her, which is exactly what God does with the nation of Israel. Despite their unfaithfulness, he goes and pursues them and brings them back in. So it says, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and loves cakes of raisins. So he says, go back to her once again. Love a woman who is loved by another man. So Hosea goes back and he repurchases her, brings her back in. Verse two says, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lalith of barley, which was not a whole lot of money as we talked about, if y'all recall that. It wasn't a whole lot of money. This was actually an embarrassment uh, of, of to Gomer of what her actual value is because her value was depleted. The, what, what Hosea used here to purchase Gomer was that of, of what a man would buy uh, food for their animals. Let that sink in. And verse three says, and I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You should not play the whore, belong to another man. So I also will be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Verse five, afterward, the children of Israel shall return to the Lord, their God, and David, their king, and they shall come in the fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. I don't know if you guys can recall when we actually looked at this chapter a few months back. This is not only God speaking to the present issue at hand with the nation of Israel as Hosea is speaking to Gomer, but rather this is speaking to the future. This is speaking to the day when Christ will return and we as his people will return back to him with, with grateful hearts in true worship and praise because of his faithfulness, because of his covenant that he upheld throughout everything. From the very beginning, when you go back to Genesis, when sin first comes into the picture with Adam and Eve, y'all recall this, right? So Adam and Eve uh, sin, their, their eyes become open to the reality of the world. They start, they sew together figs and or, or leaves and things like that to cover up their nakedness. And God comes, he says, hey, where are you, right? Y'all remember all this? God calls out, Adam is like, Hey, we're, we, we, heard you, we heard you walking and we became afraid. And so God said, and, and they're like, we were naked and we didn't want to be naked in front of you. And God said, well, how'd you hear about that? And that's when the serpent, the whole situation where the serpent comes to play. 
So God, in that moment, he addresses the issue at hand. He says, hey, because of this, there's going to be enmity between you and the serpent. Right? Y'all remember this the account? And how does that account play out? He says, the serpent, you'll, you, as a result, there'll be enmity between you guys and your offsprings. And your offspring have enmity between them. And the, and the serpent will strike his heel and the heel will what? Crush his head. That right there, Genesis chapter 3, is the first picture that we see of our Messiah coming to defeat sin and death. Satan and all his power can come against us and he can try to do everything he can to make us stumble, fall, feel pain, feel unworthy, feel uh, unfaithful, whatever the case may be, fill in that blank. At the end of it, because of the finished work of Jesus, this plan that was set forth before the world was even fully created of God sending his one and only son, Jesus, to come and to die in the place of a wretched, sinful man like me and like you, as a result of this, Satan will be defeated. Death will be no more. Loss, pain, suffering, everything that you're experiencing now in this broken world will no longer last compared to the eternal greatness of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. That covenant, that promise of our Messiah, doesn't matter how unfaithful we are today, if you put your faith, hope, and trust in Him, we are set free from those things. And as a result, there's only one thing that's worthy of our focus, and that's Jesus. And this letter of, uh, from, of, of, of Hosea, this judgment that's coming upon the nation of Israel serves as a warning for us of how we need to refocus. Again, there's a lot of distractions. In 2024 alone, with the election, I'm just gonna call, I'm just gonna shoot y'all straight. I already know there's a lot of distraction with that. We don't let that need to be a distraction. Our nation, the people of this world, Hamas, all the wars that are going on, this should not be a surprise to us. We should not let it affect our soul because our soul should be completely consumed with the joy everlasting of Christ Jesus if you're a follower of him. Would y'all agree? So as I wrap up our time this morning, that's my prayer for us. What are we focusing on? What are we allowing to distract us from the simple truth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord and the joy that we can find in him? And if you're in this room today and you know that there is something that's been weighing on you that you need to surrender to the Lord, as we go into this time of invitation, this time of prayer, I pray that's exactly what you do. That you'll surrender that whether you have hurt of a family member, whether you have hurt of a, a coworker, whether you have hurt of a, uh, of a, of a dear friend who, who said something to you, or whether it's the, the way that one party is disagreeing with another, or whether one nation is acting towards another, whatever, they, whatever is hindering you from fully surrendering your brokenness to the Lord so that you can experience true joy, I pray that you will surrender that to him this morning. Maybe it's just someone in this room just needs to surrender their life to Jesus. 
Maybe we allow these things to become the distraction thing that this is what's really hurting us, but really it's just we can't get out of our own way to recognize that we need Jesus as Lord and Savior. So I pray that if that's you this morning, that you'll do that. It's simple. But we see in scriptures that all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you shall be saved. It's a free gift. It's a free invitation. Nothing you do will change the result. All you have to do is surrender. So that's my prayer. Uh, I'm going to pray for us. And then we'll go into this time of invitation. And like I said, if you need to come down to the altar to pray, you can do that. If you need to come talk to me, you can come talk to me, talk to Pastor Victor, whatever. Or if you just need to see it right where you're at, right there in the pews and go before the holy, righteous God who desires to know you and desires to hear you and desires to walk with you, I pray that's exactly what you'll do. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for this morning in your word and how it's living and active. It doesn't matter when it was written. It doesn't matter who the audience was back then. It's still timeless and it still speaks to us today. And we are so thankful for that. And Lord, I pray that as we continue this letter of Hosea, Lord, that we will open our hearts to the reality of the areas in our lives that need to be surrendered to you. That we will uh, surrender the distractions. That we will come back and refocus realign ourselves with the word of truth and walk in faithfulness to it so that we can experience the fullness of your joy. Because Lord, there will be a day where we will have to answer for our actions here on earth. The difference is, the thing is, Lord, for anyone who's in Christ, the, the penalty for that, for our sins, have already been paid. But for those who are outside of the will of God, those who are outside of relationship with Jesus, they will have to, they'll have to answer for their sin. And so, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today who has never surrendered their life to Jesus, that they'll do that. I'm not trying to put pressure on anybody, Lord, but rather I, my, I just, I know I have experienced the reality of salvation firsthand. And I pray that those around me will experience it as well. So, Lord, have your way. But, Lord, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this morning. And I pray, God, that you'll just go before it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.